I am speaking to you at a moment of grave crisis. I'm Jeff Turner, and this is Recall. It's a series about history. Not the ancient past, but history that's still hot to the touch. In this first season, I explore a revolutionary political movement that brought a modern democracy to the brink. You can find Recall, How to Start a Revolution, on the CBC Listen app or wherever you get your podcasts. This is a CBC Podcast. Hello, I'm Matt Galloway, and this is The Current Podcast. Matt Teeter was a stonemason, and several years ago, he was working on a roof when he fell. He fell 46 feet. He was seriously injured, and that fall and the recovery took a toll on his mental health. According to Statistics Canada, at least a third of construction workers struggle with their mental health. Matt Teeter is now a manager in construction health and safety, and he joins us now. Matt, good morning. Good morning. Thanks for having me on. Thanks for being here. Tell me about the work that you were doing before your accident. So it was a restoration type work for a very reputable company, great companies. They still are. Long story short, it it did happen. I I never blamed anybody. It wasn't really anybody's fault. It was a freak accident. What happened? Uh, These things tend to happen. So in the attic, um, like a church, uh, back in the day, they didn't have AC, obviously. So they used like a negative positive air vent system. I stepped uh, over plywood, which was covering a vent and uh, fell through that. 46 feet. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, around there. What were, the, uh, what were the injuries that you suffered? That's a long way down. Yeah, so I actually landed on the altar. You know, can't make that stuff up. Uh, went uh, feet first. Uh, don't remember the fall. I don't know if I broke my nose on the opening or hitting my knees on the way, in, on the way down. But either way, it knocked me unconscious, and I think that, that helped too. Uh, two broken ankles. Uh, left Liz Frank fracture, right calcaneus burst fracture, two broken vertebrae, uh, ribs, orbital eye socket, uh, nose. Yikes. <laughs> yeah, it was, uh, you know, lucky to be alive, first of all, and walking again. What did you go through after that fall? The fall is bad enough, and those injuries are, are I mean, people kind of recoil in hearing about them, but what did you go through after that? Yeah, so... Like the fall, you know, it was bad, but the worst came came after and it was, you know, the prescription uh, medication, which is all too common. So when I initially got prescribed it, doctors were well aware of the of the issues with them and they informed me and they told me, you know, we're only going to have you on this short term and then we're going to cut you off. These are opioids? Yeah, opioids. Uh, Unfortunately, with an injury like mine, they do work very well. So after a year uh, learning how to walk again, you know, you take something and then all of a sudden the pain is gone and I'm not walking with a limp anymore. So you you start doing that and then uh, obviously you develop a dependency which progressively gets worse and worse. You know, it's the, the story is all this time now, unfortunately, and it just get, got progressively worse in, mm-hmm. until the point where it wasn't about pain management. Mm-hmm. It was just uh, sustaining, uh, just to feel normal. Were you buying them right? on the street? Yes. Yeah. And, and, you know, there's a big stigma with this. I don't think I would talk to you and tell you my story with my name and everything if I was still doing it. But the fact that I overcame it and it was probably the hardest thing I've ever done. And it was, you know, worse than the fault. Ten times worse. I'm glad that you came through opinion. it. Um, I think that's Yeah, really you important. know, it was a long time ago now. Um, 
you know, I, I don't mind talking about it at all. How much, how much Especially support was, the, was there for you within the industry that you were working in? I mean, as you go through this, um, you're a huge, you know, valued part of that industry. But as you're recovering, what sort of support was there for you? So back then, you know, I, I hit it. I hit it completely from my employer, my coworkers. Uh, what helped me was, was my wife and, and my daughter, you know. I had to just do it for them, right? Just saw myself falling apart, not being the best husband and father that I could be. And, you know, just went cold turkey. Three weeks in bed and just over it. Why did you feel like you had to hide it from your coworkers? Um, because of the stigma. And I don't think I'd be able to tell them. Like, how would you even approach that? You know, they'd probably think uh, less of you. Now it's different, but... You know, if you tell them now that there, I don't think there's a construction employer out there now that wouldn't offer an employee help. Mm. And even probably back then, I, I just, I would never, never. You right? said you stigma. Like I mean, what what, what did company. that stigma look like? Do you think people talk about like a macho culture? And I don't know that that still exists in, in the industry now because it's, it's changed a bunch. It used but... To be, but yeah, it's still there for sure. Is that what it looked like? Is that what that stigma was? I don't, I don't know if it's a construction thing or if it's a man thing or, or a combination of, of both. Right. But. Um, now there's, it's, it's so much better there. You can get all kinds of support and, you know, we have construction associations that are pushing awareness. So, uh, WSIB excellence, uh, promotes things that if companies uh, develop, uh, policies for mental health, they will get a rebate or uh, IHSA through their core program. If you have policies again, uh, like an industry standard safety program, mm -hmm. right? So typically what happens now is like the larger companies will, will adopt something like a mental health policy, uh, whatever it may be. And then the large, larger companies will, will incorporate it and eventually it'll trickle down to everybody. Right? Can, I, can I ask you just so a, huge changes over the last 10 years, I'd say. Yeah. Can I ask you just a bit more about that culture and that macho kind of culture? Like if you had have spoken to somebody and said, listen, I'm physically hurt, but I'm mentally suffering as well. What would have happened? The way I would have done it, if I would have back then, is I would have just went straight to senior management. Obviously, they knew what happened to me. I'm sure they would have understand and just give, given me some time off. What about your fellow I, workers? I, um, people talk, and, and there's a negative stigma, especially with, with opiates. I, I would never tell them. Never would want them to know. Even now, you know, I, I didn't really want to do this, but I did because I overcame it. And, you know, I don't, I don't feel uh, particularly bad about it. In fact, I'm, I'm proud that I did. But at that point, I mean, that kind of like suck it up kind of culture w would have prevented you from saying anything. I don't know if it's the company culture or industry culture. I think I think it's more of a young man mm. thing and, and, and just the way men in construction are in general. Company Companies, I think, have been pretty, pretty good. You work in is, health. Can, is, can there be room for improvement? Absolutely. You work in health and safety now. Um, yeah. How much of a change have you seen? Like huge last 10 years huge you know if you look at the injury statistics i think they, they've pretty much stayed the same or increased a little bit but that's just because there's more man hours working safety now and 10 years ago or 20 years ago leaps and bounds huge differences and, and you know mental health is is part of that i think we're in the beginning stages of that and i think it, it's just getting developed now but you know i think they're taking the right steps and and just building up the awareness we're going to, you know, eventually have programs for this, you know, industry-wide. If you were, just finally, if you were talking to a younger worker and they went through what you went through and they were, they felt that they couldn't speak up, they felt that um, 
yeah, that they, 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 they wouldn't be taken seriously. What would you say to them? That's a really good question. It's really hard. You know, construction workers spend 12 hours a day with each other, right? So it'd be really hard for especially young workers to tell a coworker or supervisor about mental health issues. I would say, uh, you know, if you have a safety person, call them, call your, your senior management. Now, I've never heard anybody getting turned turn down for it. Might, might there not be an official program in place for it yet? Maybe, but they'll do something for you. Or if you're in the union, uh, you know, call your union rep. There, there could be all kinds of issues. Could be a, a violence thing, could be a harassment thing, could be an issue at home, drug addiction, any, anything, right? Do you have to give specific details? Probably not. Just say you have an issue. They'll hear you out. But there's help out there for people. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Um, I'm really glad to talk to you about this. As you said, perhaps years ago, you wouldn't have spoken about it, but it's important that, that you would, and hopefully other people will feel comfortable based on, on what you've gone through. Matt, thanks so much. No problem. Thanks for having me. Take care of yourself. Take care. Matt Teeter works in health and safety in the construction industry. Grab your VIP pass. We're delving into the secretive world of Formula One. Behind the scenes with two of the sport's biggest names, Mercedes and Williams. This is not coal mining, this is Formula One motor racing. As they build their new cars. We want to be so much further ahead. We're in permanent racing mode. And face shocking headlines. Here's Lewis Hamilton moving away from Mercedes. I'm Joseph Fiennes and this is F1, back at base. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. Sean Strickland is executive director at Canada's Building Trades Unions, and Arla Day is a professor in occupational health psychology at St. Mary's University and director at the CN Centre for Occupational Health and Safety. Good morning to you both. Good morning. Good morning. Arla, let me just pick up on, on what Matt was saying. How big of an issue from your perspective is mental health within the construction industry? He told one person's story and what he didn't feel comfortable in, in, in raising with his coworkers and with his employers. How big of a, an issue is this broadly? It is big, and, and it's broadly, and it's not even just in Canada. We see this worldwide. So there's an uh, increasing number of studies and data coming out from U.S., U.K., Australia, um, across Europe about about sort of similar issues that Matt talked about, that kind of the physical injury leading to um, dependency, um, which leads to greater mental health issues. Um, and there's other... Um, other paths, I guess, down the the mental uh, health health path. Um, talking about um, depression, anxiety, mm. um, some construction is so like the social isolation from it. Um, One of the things I'd read in those studies is is that within in the construction industry, a leading cause of death is suicide. Yeah. So, and and it's it's kind of kind of scary when you look at this because we always think you know construction is such a physically demanding and and we we worry about physical safety, but there's there's several studies sh are showing that like in Australia there was one one work done that six times more construction workers died from suicide than were killed by accidents on mm. the job, um, and there's similar data from that in the U.S. So and and the U.K. they talk about suicide for their male construction workers are like about two times that of other male workers. So because we know mm. suicide is higher in in men than women. Sean, as you understand it, what's going on here? W what is leading to um, an environment in some ways where where workers feel like they can't speak up about what they're going through? 
Well, I don't, I don't think that's a quite an accurate, accurate uh, characterization, Matt, in terms of not being able to speak up about what they're going through. I think that that, as you heard from Matt himself, I mean, what a, what a story. I mean, a shock in terms of that accident and, and falls continue to be the number one accident at construction sites today. But then also the story of redemption and how he overcame uh, his addiction, I think, was uh, quite inspiring. And so, you know, the, the, the challenge in construction uh, is unique in some ways compared to the rest of society. But there is a mental health crisis across society. And we are getting young people into the industry, according to some research that indicates that they're suffering from anxiety and depression. And then we work with these people and then we get into a job site. And part of the challenge in construction is the conditions of work. We've done a lot of things to make it more safe. We've done a lot of things to allow people to talk and be more collegial about their mental health struggles. But construction, you go to work on your first day at a job, you're going to work to put yourself out of a job. Like when your job is done, you don't really know where your next job's going to be. And so that puts some pressure on you. The pressure to produce, the physical nature of the work, the fact that you're working outside. So there's a whole bunch of different pressures connected to a construction job than, say, jobs in an office or in manufacturing that that put more stress on a worker compared to average workers. And that's something we recognize, and that's something we're working with and providing all kinds of supports to overcome that. What about the culture of the industry, though? This is something that Matt mentioned, and it's been described by him and by others as kind of a macho culture. And again, maybe that's changed with efforts uh, to some degree recently. But how would you describe that culture and what's in that culture that would make make people reluctant to speak up, perhaps in past, and, and maybe still now? Well, I, I think that that culture is there, but it is severely diminished to what it was even 10 years ago, because we need people in the industry. We need people to be comfortable in the industry. We have a lot of things to build in Canada. And so that culture is just frowned upon much more today than it ever was. Frowned upon, but does it still exist? Well, it exists to a certain degree, sure, but we're work, we're working through that. We're diversifying the industry. We're getting more women into the trades, which is helping. We're getting more, you know, black, indigenous, people of color, LGBTQ. We are really changing the the face of the industry to to do away with that macho culture. And and young people today, they don't they don't want to work in that kind of environment. And so employers recognize this, uh, unions recognize this, and. And we're doing everything we can to make a much more inclusive culture for the entire industry. The opioid crisis is something that tears right across society. How big of an issue, Sean, has this been within within the construction industry? People who have physical injuries who, as Matt said, you, you are uh, prescribed a certain dosage uh, of drugs to help you get through that physical recovery. Um, but then the drugs work and you stay on them. Yeah, it's a big issue. And the other thing that's unique about construction is that you don't have a you don't have sick days. If you don't show up for work, you don't get paid. So when you get an injury and you have like the number one stressor amongst construction workers is financial pressures, just like the rest of Canadians. And so on in construction, if you get an injury or you don't feel well or you're sick, if you don't go to work, you don't get paid. You lose your eight to twelve hours worth of pay. And so when you have an injury, it puts pressure on you to get back to work sometimes too soon. And our workers turn to uh, opioids to help them get to work. And then it becomes, you know, a cascading down spiral of addiction, which is a real challenge. And so we're working with that. And then when you have 
uh, opioid addiction and it goes untreated. We're working in ways where we can connect people to the proper kind of treatment and and uh, avoid the you know serious ramifications, which lead to what Arla was talking about. You mentioned earlier is high rates of suicide and mm. construction, which is something we really want to work on. Arla, how do you go about changing the culture? I mean, again, Sean's suggesting that that it is changing and that perhaps it's not the same as it was when Matt was working uh, in uh, the, in the trades. But from your perspective, how do you go? Culture change is hard by its very definition. How do you go about changing the culture? So, yeah, great question, and and it's we we talk about changing culture from bottom bottom up and top down. So it's good to see you know and hear this these stories of of people who have been dealing with um, addiction, mental health issues, safety issues, and sometimes their stories are the ones that can change get get that change going in in organizations. But it really comes down to you know the leaders. So the leaders have to be able to step up and want to make that change. And there was a study in the US that talked about um, you know how to improve the culture, change the culture, and how to get talking about mental health in construction. And the biggest suggestion there, and again, this is from construction leaders, is is training, right? You have to get about mental health awareness training for your leaders. You have to um, have that training trickle down so that the organization, the groups know about it, the individuals are all buying into that this is a real thing, this is something that we need to address. And yeah, it it, it is slow, but as as Sean said, we see, we do see changes. Um, it, and it's interesting. Sometimes if you talk to leaders, they may be more optimistic about it than if you go to the front line. Where's, um, why, why does that disconnect exist, do you think? I think sometimes it's because we want we want to believe that we are all doing the best and that um, that uh, the change is happening quicker than it is. But then, again, push comes to shove. As John kind of noted, like the big, biggest thing in here is, you know, productivity um, for individuals about staying on the job. So they're willing to make sacrifices in order to stay on the job. Organizations are made willing to make um, safety sacrifices, let's just say, in order to keep their workers on the job. And so we have to take that step back and say that, you know, that we have to make the health, um, physical and psychological health Mm. of our our employees, like paramount. It can't be like fourth or fifth down the list of things. We really have to step up. And that's hard, you know, when you're pushing that. So what we do is we really talk about, we sort of come up with the construction SOS model in terms of of helping to understand health and and mental health in the workplace. What's that? And really talk. So that's talking about the, the safety, of course. You know, it's what are the factors that can increase or mitigate risk of mental health at work? So, and exactly what Matt had talked about, about, you know, as he said, that the physical injury leading to to um, painkiller, you know, as a right choice, and then it goes, leads into dependency that impacts mental health, then mental health can go back and impact physical safety. So you have that kind of path. You also have, as as Sean was saying, you know, it can be really strenuous job. It can have long hours, which can lead to fatigue and safety. Um, It can have that precarious employment unstable work and location, remote location, they're working 12-hour days, mm. high workload is another thing that we hear. 
So that's so the S, the, the org culture is the, the, the middle part of it. And it's not only about s- stigma. And when Sean was talking about it, he actually was touching on a lot about self-stigma. So sometimes the stigma we experience is from ourselves. Mm. So it's that, it is a little bit of that tough guy image, but it's like me saying that I should be tougher, right? I shouldn't be, I shouldn't give in and I should be able to get through this. Um, so breaking through that own self-stigma as well as the organization. Sean, just before and, I let you go, I mean, that, what 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 can companies do to take responsibility for this? Because you've laid out a bunch of structural issues, and part of this is about precarious work, part of this is about lack of sick days, what have you. Um, the drive to get these projects done, we're in the midst of a housing crisis, everybody wants more building to happen yesterday. So how, what's what's the role of the companies to drive that change? Not just model the change, but also put in the conditions such that the change can take hold. Well, I think there's a couple of things we could do, you know, through the collective bargaining process and maybe through government legislation, for example, for the construction industry, like they did for mandated uh, sick days for federally regulated industry. I think we maybe need to look at that for construction industry as well. That, that would give think, that would give workers some breathing room in some ways. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and uh, I think we're starting to talk about that at the collective bargaining table. Employers are fairly receptive to that because, you know, it also impacts productivity and, and and, and, you know, employers have been really good about this. Uh, they recognize the importance of this. And unions have been really good. We're doing all kinds of training and frontline training and, and making it it's okay to talk about this. I mean, this is, this is critically important for, for people to feel comfortable to talk about this. And, and we're creating that more safe environment to have these kinds of conversations, which I think is the, the first step in addressing this very complicated issue. Really glad to talk to you both about this. It is really important. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. Ar- Arla Day is a professor in occupational health psychology at St. Mary's University. Sean Strickland is executive director at Canada's Buildings, Trades, Unions. Would love to hear from you. If you work in construction or you worked in construction, what was that culture like around mental health? Would you feel comfortable in speaking up, not just about your physical health, but how your mental health is doing? And if you weren't comfortable, what did that lead to? You can email us, um, they're personal stories, but important uh, to hear, as, as Sean was saying, to help address that stigma that still exists across society. Uh, email us, current at cbc.ca. For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.